Hello and welcome to Real Bible Stories. Join us as we deep dive into the historic, religious, cultural, political, and emotional context surrounding the real lives of real people in the Bible and the stories we've all grown to love. Hello and welcome back to Real Bible Stories. I am your host, Imran Ward, and this week we're continuing our discussion with Pastor Ryan Brown and my wife, Selena, into the real story behind David and Goliath. If you haven't listened to the first episode where we talk about this, so that's last week's episode, I highly recommend you pause now, go back and listen to that episode because there is so much context that will make this next part make so much sense. It has been such an awesome journey going through this with Pastor Ryan and I want you to get it from the beginning. Uh, but if you've already listened to that, I hope you enjoy the second part of this discussion about David and Goliath. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy. A very astute young child um, of mine, when we were talking about this, um, asked a very fair question, did God not love Goliath? Ooh. You see what I'm saying? So what was it? about Goliath that um, essentially condemned him to this fate. Yeah. I think mocking God. He was, but everybody was. Yeah. And, and in fact, worshiping other gods is a mocking of him, right? Like really, if anything, you see a, a passionate zeal within Goliath. Like Goliath would have been a great ally to have on the side of God's army. Yeah. Right. Imagine a Goliath as zealous and passionate for Yahweh as he was for Dagon. Mm-hmm. Right. So, there's a piece with it, and this is why the battle kind of matters. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. And there's cool things with this because I also think this indicates a fight went down a way that most people don't envision or what you don't see. Like Christian art kind of depicts this a certain way. <laughs> um, so I'm going to kind of talk about the battle. And it's also just fun for us because, like, being warfighters, being a combat vet, like, the stuff just intrigues me. Right. Yeah. So one of the first things I want you to kind of think about and Selena, you had read it in the beginning, but it talks about his height, right? Mm-hmm. Then he says he has a bronze helmet on his head, wore a coat of scale armor of bronze. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves. On uh, A bronze javelin was slung on his back, had a spear shaft that was like a weaver's rod with an iron point. The shield bearer went ahead of him, right? So he has a shield. Mm-hmm. So the whole point is that if you just were to picture Goliath's armor, right? Yeah. His equipment. What you get a sense of in terms of at least in terms of ancient combat, there would have only been two weaknesses in his entire getup. Okay. Okay. Now, one, the bronze helmet would have came down over the top of covering his forehead, probably going down the bridge of his nose. Okay. Covering his right. And kind covering of the sides covering of his, face. his cheeks, right? Okay. So, so I, I mean, just say, form fitted to his head, like forged to fit him. Right. So your weaknesses would be this his eyes, mm-hmm. his mouth. Let me add a third one in there. Um, And it would have been at certain points as he's walking his knees, right? Because you got the bronze sheaths there that as you walk, they have to bend, you know, allowing for the bending of the knee. Yeah. So it would have exposed your knee. It would have exposed the top of your kneecap. Well, wouldn't that be for like your elbows too? Like your joints? It could have been. Yeah. Yeah, Really any joints. Right. Right. But but the point is, is that there wasn't a whole lot of But the elbow's covered by the shield. Right. Got the big shield. And if you even look at the big shield, Right. You're, you're holding it like this. That's really coming up and blocking pretty much your mouth. Mm. So all you would see is his eyes on the top. Yeah. Right. With, like you said, his elbows would be covered too. Um, yeah. He had been coming even with over the top with his spear. Mm. So specifically um, it would actually be 
that spear holding knee because if he's holding himself with the shield and then he removes the shield to present the spear, he's going to expose one of those legs. Not necessarily because he could also strike from over the top. From of over the, the top. Yeah, I guess. Right. right. So but then he's exposing, you know, a little bit more of the face. So but all that. point is very yeah, yeah, few yeah. vulnerabilities. Exactly. Right? Like mm-hmm. where are you going to hit? Right. Like a Dark Souls character, just straight right. up like, Dark so Souls enemy. Right how here. do you fight this guy? And hence everybody's fear, right? Like, okay, I can have the equipment and, but, but this guy is like armor. There's yeah. very few weaknesses and he's big. I can't, mm. I can't like overpower this guy. David being completely aware of this fact, right? Yeah. Like that dude's huge, right? Yeah. And look at what he's wearing. Um, he chooses a combat strategy, what we call proxemics, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, a lot of people always ask like, why, why does the American military use like the M4s? Why do we use a 5.56 caliber round, yeah. right? And because one thing we know about the M4s and I could personally attest to is if you do not keep that rifle immaculate, that thing will start jamming, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. whenever- Like I, a Jamaican song. Like, it is. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I remember um, like when like when I was a platoon sergeant in Afghanistan, we would get back from a fight and there, there's always like standard things you would have to do when you got back, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You need to Before debrief. you go to sleep. Before you do anything. Yeah. What I had them do though, I said, your first responsibility getting back, you're going to go drop your gear. You're going to get water. You're going to meet over by the debrief area and you're going to bring your weapons cleaning kit. And I had them cleaning their weapons as we debriefed Yeah. because mm-hmm. the last thing I would want is in the middle of that debrief after a fight, we get hit again yeah. and you have, we have to, to go, go engage out. it and now things are not working. Ugh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, why do we use this? Right. Um, <laughs> because when you look at like something like the Russian AK 47 or 74, I think it'll shoot PKMs, with, it'll shoot with, you can immerse it in, in there mud uh-huh. and it will still fire. Like that thing is very agile in that regard. Uh-huh. It's a bigger caliber. Right. Um, so, but why do we use it? Because the 5.56, five, beyond having certain tumbling effects that it has on impact, like this is a whole, I, I'm probably getting too much into the weeds on this at this point, but since I started it, if you imagine, <laughs> if you imagine dropping two rocks, right? Into like a swimming pool, yeah. right? If I drop one rock, you see a kind of a ripple yeah. in the water. Now, if I drop one rock and then two, and another rock right after it, right? Like maybe split second between each other. Yeah. As they go, that one ripple goes, the other ripple goes and they crash into each other. Yeah. Right. So Mm -hmm. when they interact, that creates this overpressure within the body that actually creates more damage than just a straight, you know, shooting straight through, um, straight shooting straight through that like a 762 does. Right. So there's that advantage, but the primary reason that they go with the five, five, six is proximity. Um, Mm. the AK 47 has a max effective range of about 450 meters. Yeah. The M16, when we had it, was about 620. Mm-hmm. We, the M4 is now about 550. But that means that I have about 100 meters. More standoff. Standoff that I'm able to shoot and mm. hit you first mm. before you're able to shoot and hit me effectively. Does yep. that make sense? Yeah. So proxemics mm-hmm. is always a thing in warfare. Okay. What, what's interesting is that David looks yep. at this fight. He looks at, okay, I, I cannot get in a close yeah. battle with him yep. because if I get in close enough, because of his stature... He, I give him the proxemics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has a longer spear. He has longer arms. He has longer height. More, yeah, so reach. I have to get very, very close, very quickly into Goliath to fight him in, in close range. And I better not miss in that first strike because after that, he's going to overpower me and I'm done. That's right? a big thing in, in boxing. It's like, because obviously like with like professional boxers, they know their arm lengths and all this stuff. If you're a smaller boxer, mm-hmm. your whole goal is to get in within the reach so that you can apply your power before that enemy can generate their power. 
Because if because they can reach out yeah. <laughs> further than you if you're not getting in close and they're going to generate that power and get that full full reach punch into you before and you can't even defend it. Yeah. All right. You can't counter it without getting closer. So. So um, what does David opt for? A sling. Right mm-hmm. now, yeah. when when I remember being taught as a kid and, and maybe I wasn't. They never specified. So because I'm a kid, my what my mind immediately went to was a slingshot from like Dennis the Menace. Yeah. Like you the, the Y shape with yeah. the rubber. Right. Yes. When you know, rubber yes. wasn't invented yet. <laughs> yeah. Right. But like, that's what you're thinking, right? <laughs> Literally like, not possible for them to use that. That's what I always oh, yeah. thought of yeah. David using as a sling. Right. Yeah. Um, that's not the case. What David chose was in terms of a sling, it's like an overhead sling that you swing around yeah. really fast. Uh, and it would, was, a, it was a legitimate weapon. That, yeah. That is a real thing that, it, that um, we used to do. And actually I think it's judges chapter. Great or, YouTube videos out there, by the way, of people that have mastered that in the modern day. If you want to see how devastating this weapon is, you can, like you can look it up. Judges chapter 20 actually talks about 700 slingers from the tribe of Benjamin who were so good. It says they're all left-handed and they, they could hit, um, I forgot the term it uses, but essentially he says that you know, it, it could hit, they could hit any point that they wanted with these things. Wow. So that gave him proxemics, right? That was yeah. his first problem. So that was the weapon he chose. You could look at that as like the first um, rifles. Like that's how effective they were. Okay. Like so let's take, yeah, you can get into it. Get into <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, you got this. it. You got it. Okay. So that was the other misnomer, right? Is that I always kind of thought it was the swing, like Dennis the Menace. And you're so talking about these tiny little pebbles, pebbles. right? <laughs> and they're not, um, you're talking about a baseball to softball shaped stone. It actually uh-huh. says in there he went and got these specific like river rocks that went down to the water. Now, why do you think like he went that. to the river rocks? Smooth. Because they're smooth. Aerodynamic. God, God that, already, that, God's already prepped them for you. Right. That's how, because <laughs> they're smooth, they're aerodynamic, which made him more accurate. Hmm. Right. So that's what I'm saying. I, this whole battle just intrigues me yeah. um, from that. But he gets the five smooth stones. Um, they're all. You know, Saul probably had slingers. Like that was probably a, he probably had people that did this. Like I'm, I'm sure they weren't surprised that David rolled up there with a sling. Like that, this had to be something. No, that no, no. People nobody already... was. Nobody questioned. What they questioned was him going out there without armor. Mm. Nobody questioned the weapon he chose. Mm. Right. This, this made sense to them. Yeah. Right. Um, especially if they're looking at the stature of David. Right. Yeah. So um, let me read because this is what it says. So as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. So. Wait, where are we at? Oh, I'm sorry. That was a uh, verse 48 of chapter 17. So there, there were standards to this, right? If you're going to do a champion versus champion, like it's just kind of one of those honorable rules, right? There's a battle line where you go meet to fight in between, right? The battle, everybody should see, okay? So one disadvantage that Goliath has compared to David, because David's not weighed down, is not only does David get proxemics, but he gets what? Speed. Speed, right? Or in a moment, what is it? Momentum? What is the word we use? Me- well, momentum is yeah, kind momentum. of a, a combat term to discuss like maintaining... A pace tempo. At, that's tempo, what I'm looking for. Yeah. Cause that's relative speed, speed right. relative to the enemy. Right. Tempo. So, um, but what it says is that he used one, he saw his disadvantage in terms of armor. So he countered that with proxemics with a sling. The second thing he did was he used his speed mm. to rush to the battle line to increase his tempo. Why rush to the battle line? Because it's taking Goliath longer because he's way down yeah. and he has all the gear. Yeah. So it says as he's moving towards him, Mm-hmm. Right, slowly, um, slower. David has a window hmm. that um, he is able to engage in terms of proxemics mm-hmm. Goliath before Goliath can engage him. This is why tempo right? is so important in warfare. Uh... You see what I'm saying? So he rushes out there um, to start slinging this thing, right? 
Now, um, exploit, 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 reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Okay. So let's stop there. Cause here's another misnomer. I think and every bit of Christian art and every bit of just now, just keep in mind these, these stones that are about softball size. Yeah. What does that mean? When you hit brass? Well, when you or hit steel. brass and for it to be sunken into your forehead. Think you about... Speak. Now, now I, I want to make something very clear. So okay. I, I want to give you this little... Hold on real quick. So it's like... <laughs> well, we were moving... Oh, sorry. Well, well, we were getting ready to go home uh, for our little Christmas leave. Um, we were helping our friends move. And we were tensioning... Or I was tensioning a ratchet strap in the back of this moving van. And Selena, in her in her love and grace, came up behind me to ask me a question. And just as she did so, the tension snapped on the ratchet strap. And that strap came, flipped behind me. So this is a metal, maybe one and a half pound hook on this strap. And it flipped around and it actually snapped Selena in the forehead. And we had to go to the ER. She got a little bandage on her face and all Aww. that. That's a great memory. Yeah. <laughs> but so you actually have very... Recent experience yes. of a blunt object hitting you yep. at some decent speed. Well, and, and let's talk about this, there. okay? Because it, yeah. it gets a little bit more, I think, um, it could mean the forehead, like what we think of forehead, yeah. right? I'm now, just highlighting that, like, that was like a pound and a half, like this, like, river rock hitting you at hitting much you. higher speed. Like, what's what's that doing And to it you? probably didn't feel good, right? Um, <laughs> so I, I want to know one thing, though, okay? Because if you keep reading, it says, so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. Verse 51, though, David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Okay, so um, essentially he knocks David down, but then steals David's, uh, or uh, knocks Goliath down. He steals Goliath's sword and beheads him. Yeah. Mm. Right. That's how he eventually kills him. So the point I'm trying to make is this one, um, an oddity that always never made sense to me, um, which is why I studied it. And I found some cool things, but, um, a softball sized stone. Now you could sling that stone. They said on average about between 60 and 80 miles an hour. Okay. (sighs) Mm. But that's still not fast enough to get a stone that big lodged into somebody's head. It's yeah. enough to maybe hit him and knock him out. That's mm-hmm. for sure. But not necessarily for it to get lodged. Like the, the text says it got lodged in mm-hmm. the forehead, right? Sank into. Sank into. Or yeah. sank into, right? So mm-hmm. um, this is what I so found. So many Game of Thrones like imagery popping in my head. You, you know how I was talking that, like, for example, like. And Walking Dead. Paleo Hebrew at this time did not have a word for lightning. So yeah. it was fire from God, right? Mm-hmm. Similarly, they did not have a word for sheep. So the bronze sheath that he had on his shin. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you look, kind of think about what a sheath on your shins look like for armor. See how it's kind of smooth like this. It has a forehead, right? So the same term it uses for the forehead Mm. is the same term it uses to describe his bronze sheaths. Oh, on his his knee and ankle area. Right. So um, a way that you can maybe just literally read that for us would be he wore bronze foreheads on his legs. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, why is that important? Because a couple of things that we learn is that whenever the stone struck him, it says that he fell which way? Forward. Forward, right? Now, and I, I've seen this. You could hit somebody uh. <laughs> in the head with enough force 
if they're moving towards you fast enough to where they would fall forward, right? Yeah. Generally, depending on he fell face down on the ground. If you are standing, right, or moving slowly towards, with Goliath probably would have been. He probably would have been deliberately moving forward, but not yeah. at a high speed. Mm-hmm. Getting rocked in the head like that, where do you think his head's going to go? Physics says Back. backwards. Back. And if he's going to fall because it knocks him out, where is he probably going to fall? On his back. On his back or on the side, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like an anomaly that I'm like that. This is what I found. It if the forehead of the sheath, it's the same word, right? Yeah. And I think what it's actually painting, this is my personal opinion, because both are possible. I just want to make that clear. Both are possible. But I think makes the most sense, though. I think what it's describing, and there's another thing here I'm going to hit in a second. But when you are walking and it creates that space between your kneecap and the joint, um, when you have the, the sheath on your mm-hmm. like on your, your leg, if you move forward and your, nen, your um, knee bends as you're walking, I think when it talks about the stone getting lodged in the sheath, mm. that it hit him on the kneecap and the stone got lodged in between the space between the knee and that space of the sheath as yeah. it was exposed. So even if he wanted to keep walking forward, he couldn't because it was lodged in there. It kept him. So on top of the damage. Right. He's of also getting got this- racked in the knee with yeah. a stone at about 60, 80 miles an hour, which could have shattered and broke yeah. his kneecap. Probably did. Um, but even if he wanted to stand up and keep going, it would have been lodged and kept him, right? Mm. And he, here's the other interesting thing I found. When it says that he fell face down, that's not actually really what it says. Um, the Hebrew word that's used there is kara. What it actually means is to bow down. So the idea mm. is that when he got hit, his knee went down like he was bowing. Mm. Oh, okay. You see what it's I'm saying? So, um, which, which also gives you the impression that he did not get knocked out, right? Mm. Um, and what probably happened because of speed is that it hit his knee, got lodged within the sheath, shattered tripped him it, up, shattered he couldn't extend. He falls down like in the bowing position. What he's probably trying to do at that moment is kind of reach to kind of get a sword out. That's when David's able to come around, run around, and and outmaneuver him and yeah. get that sword and whack him right. So um, hit him with that combined arms maneuver. What does that matter to anything? Uh, the most important thing that the author makes now. You, it could be either or, right? Maybe it was the actual in between the eyes. Um, I think it was probably more towards the knee. You could, whatever you want on that, right? Yeah. But the important point that the author makes is how he kneeled. Okay. Mm-hmm. And here's why. And this is ultimately the warning that I think the difference between why did God just sacrifice Goliath? Did he not love Goliath? Right. Because mm-hmm. all the Philistines were profaning God. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They were all cheering Goliath on. Here's the difference. I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 5. This happened earlier on in the war. Okay, this has been an ongoing war between Israel and the Philistines, okay? And earlier on in the war, the Philistines had some military success. Um, I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, now, after the Philistines had captured the Ark of God. Uh, Whoops. So the Ark of the Covenant was captured. Hmm. Okay, now remember... The Ark of the Covenant symbolically had always been what you'd call the mercy seat of mm-hmm. God. The top of the, the Ark was what was believed is that's where God sat down. That, that was the throne in, yeah. this, in a way, right? Mm-hmm. On earth. That, that, that's where God resided, right? Mm-hmm. So they captured the Ark of God. They took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then they carried the Ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon, right? This is the God mm-hmm. that um, Goliath oh, is fighting this, yeah. in the name of. Okay, when the people of Ashdod arose early the next day, there was Dagon 
fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. Notice the emphasis of the exclamation yeah. point. But what it really says is that they found Dagon Kara before bowing before the Lord, the ark of the, of the Lord. So the same word that it used for Dagon bowing before the ark is the same term used here for Goliath bowing down oh. in this fight with David. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now keep reading. They took Dagon and put him back in his place. But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. But this time is something's different. You notice his head and hands had been broken off and were lying on the threshold and only his body remained. Mm. Oh, wow. So now let's fast forward to the fight with David and Goliath, right? Here he is profaning. I'm going to fight on behalf of Dagon. You're going to fight on behalf of Yahweh. We're going to fight this fight, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why, didn't da- why didn't Goliath get any mercy from God in this? Because God had already defeated Dagon. There had already been an experience earlier, not bloody yet. Mm-hmm. God had given the Philistines everything at that moment to recognize your God bowed before me. Yeah. And the second time and- you put him back up, I beheaded him and I chopped off his limbs. I dismembered your God mm-hmm. as he laid right in front before me at the ark. Right? Yeah. This got them in such fear that they moved the ark out of the temple, right? Mm-hmm. They were afraid. So they had every all the information to already know that Dagon had been defeated by Yahweh. So here's Goliath profaning Yahweh again, trying to fight on behalf of a defeated God. And then that's fine. Okay, you're going to die like your God then. Right? So why does David behead him? Because just as he was bowing Kara before David, just as Dagon, the statue, was bowing before the Ark of the Covenant, God chopped his head off. Here comes David, remembering that same experience, lobbed off Goliath's head. And probably dismembered the rest of his body, too, by the way. Yeah. You kind of infer that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I'm also reading through the rest of 1 Samuel 5, and uh, it's crazy. Like, they are like, let's move the Ark to this other city, to Goth. Uh, he takes the goth and there's all these and plagues is, and they're like, let's get this out of here. Like, and they move it to okay. Aircon. And then there's on, all these. On. Goth was also, what does it say about Goliath? Goth was the hometown of Goliath. Goliath. Oh, so he had already been victim of these plagues. The, the that, whole point was that God was bringing into the Philistine camps and, and across that entire area. And the, he was being moved from city yeah, to he city. Was, to he was city. so real to them that like, we have to get this ark out of here. But and then he eventually was showing they them his superiority and yeah. they still in their defiance decided to stand against him and profane him. Yeah. Then he finally says, okay, if you've made your choice, you've had all the information possible. You've made your choice of which God you stand with. You will now die with your God. Yeah. Does that make sense? And then, yeah, ultimately they just return it to Israel too. Which oh. After seven months, they just give it back. Wow. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> That's Go and read 1 Samuel 5 and 6. It's awesome. That's intense. Right? Again, God trolling, right? But yeah. he also gave... Uh, my He's pl- moving from city to city. And they're I, like, we got to get this out of here. And they just give it back. But I don't want to gloss over this, right? Yeah. God had given them every opportunity, mm-hmm. all the information to know. Yeah. Of who and so when he comes profaning, it's like it's from a perspective of knowing. Right. And it says, fine, if your allegiance is going to be with that God and you're going to stand against me, mm-hmm. you will go die with your God. You're going right. to die like your God. Right. So just as I had beheaded Dagon and dismembered him, Goliath now stands on behalf of his God, on behalf of Dagon. Is okay, if you're gonna fight on behalf of Dagon, you're gonna die like Dagon. Yeah. And he got his head 
head chopped off, probably dismembered mm. the exact same way. And David knew this, right? And that was also the experience he was drawing from but that entire Israel army should have also remembered. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like mm. it, it was such a lack of faith, but mm. I think the big warning to us though, is that when we have our gods and God has given us all the information to understand that's not your God. But if you're going to align yourself to that God, mm-hmm. you're going to die with your God. Yeah. And that's essentially judgment, right? You're going to destroy your life, destroy your job, destroy your marriage following that God instead of following the real God. If you align yourself with, with the gods of your life, and that's who you ultimately want to choose to serve. Die to it. You, you'll die with them, with them right? And um, Look at all the people pursuing money, pursuing wealth above all else, and how they destroy everything about themselves and, and the people around them. And then they look back on their life and like, what was that worth? Really? You've got all this money, but what else? Well, you and I, I think your kids hate you, your wife hates you, your husband hates there you. There seems to always be this, and we hate this, right? But anything in your life that is has supreme affection over God, mm-hmm. that's the very thing that he's going to come out and expose and expect you to give up, right? So, um, you know, one of the parables of Jesus is um, the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler, right? Now he comes now, it, Jesus makes it very clear in his other teachings that money is something that could be used just as much for good as it could be for evil. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why it doesn't say the root of all evil is money. It's yeah. the love of money. Right. Yeah. So, but for this rich young ruler, he kind of knew this man's heart. And he said that this young ruler was a, an observant Jew. He says, I keep all the commandments. I do, but he wanted to guarantee, how do I ensure I make it into the kingdom of heaven? Mm-hmm. What can I do? What big charitable thing can I I've do with my money? I've done a lot, but I'd, I'd, so just let me know if I'm doing enough. Right. But how can mm-hmm. I guarantee my place in the kingdom of heaven? You know, he was expecting Jesus to say, well, go, uh, you know, build this for the temple, fund this for the temple, something, you yeah. know what I mean? And when it, he it's says- It's also like, I wonder what he had been told up to that point before Jesus confronted him in this, because that may have been what he was taught up to that point. Well, I, I think what was taught, what he was probably of the- he was probably of the rabbinical camp of Hillel or Shammai, mm. um, which again, didn't necessarily discourage um, money, but it was very much one that was like, you know, um, it can't be the supreme source of affection for your life. Yeah. Okay. Jesus comes in knowing that it is the supreme source of affection for his life. He says, okay, if you want to follow me, and if you want to guarantee your place in the kingdom, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. But there's other people he doesn't ask that of. Yeah. All right. There's this whole group of women who are financially supporting him throughout his entire ministry. Mm-hmm. He doesn't ask them to do that. Mm. Why does he ask this man to do it, but not these other people? Yeah. It's because those other people, they may have had money, but that wasn't the supreme affection of their heart. Mm-hmm. For this man, it was. That's why it says that this man walks away saddened. Yeah. Because he knew. He knew that what he was just asked to do. Conflicts with like, who his really who his God really was, which was money, yeah. right? And that's what God attacks. Hmm. So if whatever the the supreme affection or God of your life is, that's gonna be the very thing that God's like, I'm gonna destroy all that for you know for you, um, at the sake of following me. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's why you see things play so uniquely in people's lives because we all have different affections for different things at different levels, mm-hmm. right? Um, but He destroys the things that we place above him. In this particular case, Goliath had all the information hmm. to know at this point, Yahweh was superior. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. and he stood defiant against him. He says, you're going to go die with your God then. Yeah. You're going to die the same way. Right? So you look at the Israelites and the only reason that something similar didn't happen to them is because he was in covenant with them. Mm-hmm. Right? And he's like, I'm going, I'm going to be faithful even when you're unfaithful to me. Right? But you still see this ploy of God also trying to expose to the Philistines. Right? If you, if, if you remember, you brought up Jericho earlier, right? Yeah. Um, the, the spies go into Jericho and you have Rahab who is like, we are all in great fear because we've heard of everything that God has done for you guys in mm-hmm. the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And now you are here and we know we can't beat you. They all had the, Jericho was the same way. Yeah. They all had the same information. You have this Rahab who recognized it, took that information and responded appropriately to it. Mm-hmm. And she was spared. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That 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 is that is God's judgment. Right. Yeah. We miss this sometimes. We always look at judgment as this kind of dirty thing in a way. Like not dirty, but sometimes to be judged is to be like it's scary, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we also miss that blessing is also judgment. Yeah. God, you know, Christ teaches like you reap with what you sow. Mm-hmm. So when God blesses you, it's also the outcome of faithfulness. Yeah. He says it's it's not it's not that he just blesses you because he loves you, which he does, but it's also um, in, in certain it's regards, I'm blessing you because it's just yeah. what you've done. It, it would be unjust of me not, not to, bless. to bless you. Yeah. Right. So judgment plays out in blessing just as much as it plays out yeah. in, in these, right. The Bible talks yeah. about the crowns you receive that the house that he's preparing for you. It's like, that's it's based on how you're living your life now. And, and that the service you're giving now is so that God's got these blessings based off of his judgment of the things that you're doing now. Right. And, yeah. and and so it's not like you need to do good things in order to get into heaven. That's not the point. But the Bible does talk about that it, your blessings are stored in heaven based off of the things that you do now. The, the idea like, is that you... If you live a life... You serve Christ because he's worthy. Yeah. Knowing that you're going to mess up sometimes, knowing that you're not always going to get it right, but the supreme affection of your heart is serving Christ, right? Yeah. And I guess my point being is that um, I think the warning for people is that God has destroyed many gods all throughout scripture. Yep. Um, take any God and he has, he has wiped it out. Right. So, and I don't mean just in a literal sense between, um, you know, whether it's Dagon or Baal or Zeus or, mm-hmm. you know, you, you guys were doing the uh, seven churches study, right. The Bible study yeah. we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about all the different, you know, pantheon of gods that are existing within that whole context, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's wiping all those out in the book of Revelation, like um, Apollo, right? Being one of the central figures of Revelation that mm-hmm. he's destroying. Like there's a literal sense of gods that he's wiped out. And then there's also the um, money, fame, power, yeah. all those all things, those acts right? of the flesh. All those things that he's like, I've destroyed that too. A good example in the book of Exodus, this whole story with Pharaoh. Um, did you guys know that the actual name of the book of Exodus, you know what it's called? To depart? Isn't to Exodus is to leave? Well, that's what it means, but that's not the actual original name of the book. Oh, the that's original the, name of the book of Exodus. The actual I no Hebrew idea. name of the book of Exodus. You know what the real name of the he- Hebrew? The plague book. I don't know. <laughs> the book of names. What? Oh, I've heard that before. So yeah. go read Exodus and notice who is named and who is not. Because one of the biggest points, remember name means character, mm. right? Um, Yahweh gives us his name in, yeah. in the, in Exodus. Um, 
it mentions the midwives who refuse to kill the Hebrew babies. Yeah. It mentions them by name. Yeah. Pharaoh is not mentioned by name one time. It's just the Pharaoh. It's just Pharaoh. But Moses is mentioned. Right. The most powerful, the the, the most rich, the most um, famous, most influential of all the kingdom of Israel, of, of uh, Egypt, his name's not even mentioned. Yeah. He, He destroys every God, not just the, he doesn't just destroy Ra and, you know, Serapis and all them. But he also destroys the other gods, money, fame, power, pride, all put to shame yeah. under his subjugation. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's a good, it's a good reminder for us to remember that God has given me all the information to respond appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, what do I do in my response then to what I know, right? I get taking responsibility, ability to respond. Yeah. Do I take responsibility for what I know and how I'm living? Yeah. And if I am living towards means that is outside of the glory of Christ, I better get back in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I will die with my God and I don't want to die with him. I, I want to live eternally with my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not die with my false God. You yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. So yeah, David and Goliath. <laughs> that was fantastic. I really appreciate the discussion for, uh, for those listening in the, in the group, I've been waiting for Ryan to like do this discussion with us for like four months because I remember the Sunday he came to church and he was just like, Oh yeah, just come back from like your business trip. Cause you were studying on the plane and you're like, there's all these great things that I learned about David and Goliath while I was flying on this plane. I was, and, and he just been kind of giving me tidbits yeah. over the last <laughs> few months. He, he preached it to the youth and he was kind of telling us how that went and some of the questions that they had asked. And so now to finally get this, the full picture of this sermon that you really, um, been working through over the last like three or like maybe like three or four months. Um, I'm so glad. I'm yeah. glad. And to, you will die with your God. If yeah. It's not, um, if your God is not Yahweh, right. Other big piece is adults, right. Men taking responsibility to what they should be. Yeah. Right. Part of the reason our culture is the way it is, is just a failure of adults to take responsibility. Yeah. They, they, they have not assumed responsibility of what they, they need to take responsibility for. Mm-hmm. And people need to start being more responsible, not just in their faith, but in everything, right? Yeah. Parenthood, your marriage, like um, the amount of people who do not take appropriate responsibility as a husband or a wife. Even the way the English is written, take responsibility. It's not a uh, way to you fall into responsibility or just given you no know, it says go out and take responsibility. It's you like you it. know what you should be taking responsibility over that, whether it be your kids, your marriage, your job, your um your church life, your inner thoughts, all that. It's like, okay, go out and take it. Actually take ownership and do the work. Um and, and do the things that you need to do to take that responsibility. Right. right. But to summarize though, um back on, you know, real Bible stories brand here. Um, not really one about giants, right? Um, it's, it's one about men with great stature experience and who are well-equipped, um, but not well-equipped experienced or stature to fight the fights that need to happen. Yeah. Right. And, um, you could say it's an underdog story, but Goliath's the underdog, Mm -hmm. right? Cause he's the one who's standing in defiance against the one true God versus, you know, adopting his, um, there's no other way that could have happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when, when you stand like that in defiance against, against God, you get crushed. You know what I'm saying? That's like what happens? God's not going to surrender his character 
for the sake of you going on and living in your rebellion. Hmm. Yeah. Right? If you give him that ultimatum, right? This is what happens. You die with your, like your God. You already beheaded Dagon, you know? So my point being is I, I hope that this has helped mature people a little bit yeah, into absolutely. the story of David and Goliath instead of it just being this, you know, pickpocket story of go defeat your giants. <laughs> it wasn't really about David defeating his giant. Go have faith. This was about um, God's people fighting the fight God told them. Yeah. This is fighting God's fights yep. the way he told us to. Put right? on the full armor of the Lord. It's about responsibility. That, that's honestly what this whole thing is just about taking responsibility. Absolutely. All right, Brian. Thank you so much for uh, for teaching us today. Um, Selena, thanks for hanging Missed out. Missed you guys. Yeah, yeah. it's been a bit. Good we got to do this more and, often. Yeah. yeah. It's always, um, I don't know what the word is. Filling. Yeah. If you feel rejuvenating. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah. Even if it's like intense, it's like, okay, this is good. Like you said, it's more. Yeah. I feel big. filled. I feel yeah. like I'm going into the week um, with the right uh, mindset. And I hope that you all listening are also filled um, and, and continuing. It's deep, right? So you can keep thinking about it, keep working through it as you go through the week. Like I don't expect y'all to sit here for an hour and a half and just like go all at once. Even when I listen back to these, I listen over the course of the week and I engage with that um, oh, throughout the time. So I hope you are enjoy our discussion today and we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Real Bible Stories. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to leave a review, share, and subscribe to be notified each week when we upload new episodes. Real Bible Stories is produced in partnership with Palm Church in 29 Palms, California. If you would like more information or want to check out archived sermons and Bible studies, please check out the church website at palmsbaptistchurch.com or check them out on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Real Bible Stories can be found wherever podcasts are found. Thank you again.